0: Is Elvis Presley still alive? Some people swear that he is, and you'll never convince them otherwise. I'm sure you've heard what they say. My neighbor just saw him working at a supermarket in Florida. No, wait, he actually manages a car wash in Seattle. He's the guy who just inspected my house for termites. It sounds crazy, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that while he never held any of those jobs mentioned above, not everything you may have heard is without merit. To understand, you have to go back to that fateful day. August 16th, 1977. The day the world lost Elvis for the first time. Before I go any further, let me introduce myself. I'm Timmy Watkins from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And not too long ago, Elvis, a.k.a. the King, was my next-door neighbor. And this is well after his purported 1977 death. Now I know the first thing you're wondering is how Elvis managed to stick around years after the media first reported his demise. And maybe you're guessing that the pressure of all that fame caused him to fake his own death. But here's the scary part. He actually did die that day. Unfortunately, he didn't stay that way. The events of that August 16th unfolded pretty much the way they were reported in the news, with him collapsing to the floor. One of his favorite snacks, a peanut butter and banana sandwich, was on a table nearby. His manager, Tom Parker, took the news the hardest of all. Elvis had made him a rich and respected man, and without Elvis... He was nothing, and he knew it. He refused to accept the fact that Elvis was gone. And later that night, Colonel Parker sneaked into the Memphis morgue and injected the corpse with a top-secret serum that had been given to him by none other than Richard Nixon. The serum, called Revian, had been developed by the U.S. government as a way to bring important dignitaries and statesmen back to life. And it worked. Two, in 1975, a young and up-and-coming singer, who had died in a car accident, became the first test subject. The lead scientist's daughter was a close personal friend of this singer, and she begged her father to turn the poor lad into a proverbial guinea pig when she heard of the accident. Long story short, that singer was Leif Garrett who's probably unknown to most of you younger listeners. But in a horrible twist, he fully recovered and went on to become the Justin Bieber of his day, singing crappy music that only a tone-deaf 13-year-old girl could find palatable. As the government cronies watched his subsequent music career unfold, they knew right away they made a tragic, horrible mistake. After all, Who were they to play God? Awful music was just being unleashed upon the world by the person they'd saved. A blunder like that could not be made again. The project was shut down, and all the scientists were lined up and shot in the head. The laboratory, along with all documentation, was burned to the ground. And the remaining samples of the serum, save for one, were destroyed. At last sample managed to find its way into the possession of Richard Nixon, though the chain of events through which that happened remained fuzzy. While Nixon fully intended to use the serum on himself, he eventually had a change of heart when he realized that with his looks, it was probably better to not live longer than necessary. Using his unimpeachable wisdom... Nixon saw fit to send the sample to Colonel Parker, about six months before his friend Elvis passed away, as he was full aware of the King's declining health. It was Nixon's hope that if Elvis ever suffered an unexpectedly early death, the serum could be used to bring him back to life. I guess it was his attempt to atone for the whole Leaf Garrett debacle, and his foresight proved to be accurate. As noted earlier, Colonel Parker was all too eager to revive Elvis for his own greedy needs. The problem was that the serum should have been administered within three hours of death, and Colonel Parker wasn't able to get to Elvis until at least ten hours after he died. He didn't care though, nothing was going to stop him from bringing back the king. The serum still worked, mostly yes elvis came back to life but he was never the same he lumbered around aimlessly constant looking for his next meal with greenish hued skin and a foul stench permeating from his body he was able to follow simple instructions but he never sang again colonel parker hid elvis and the truth from everybody he moved elvis from town to town keeping him chained up in basements and always trying to stay one step ahead of the National Enquirer, the Weekly World News, and other such supermarket tabloids. Sometimes Elvis would escape from his confines and wreck his special brand of Elvis Havoc upon the world. That's where all of the Elvis is alive rumors come from. Once after having snapped his chains, Elvis made it outside and found an unfortunate teenager wearing a yellow shirt. Mistaking her for a giant banana, Elvis consumed the poor girl right there on the spot, leaving only a pile of greasy bones. Another time, he escaped to an electronics store and angrily smashed a stereo over a salesman's head after he saw a Beatles DVD playing on the wall of TVs. It was noteworthy incidents such as these that precipitated each move from town to town. Now the stress of maintaining his own public life and keeping Elvis hidden from the world weighed heavily on Colonel Parker. He faked his own death in 1997 so that he could fully dedicate his life to taking care of his zombie charge. He and Elvis continued to move to various locations finally ending up in wisconsin and that's where i enter the story the house next door to mine had been vacant for at least six months before colonel parker and elvis moved in that was in 2002 now all of my life i'd heard the elvis rumors and like most people i thought they were silly i would soon find out just how true they were The two lost souls quietly moved in during the middle of the night, and kept to themselves over the next three months. I was barely aware that anyone was there at all, though I did occasionally hear odd sounds coming from the basement. Finally, I decided that I wasn't being very neighborly towards the new, mysterious residence, and so I baked a pan of my famous peanut butter bars and took them with me as I headed over to their home. I confidently rang their bell with a big, goofy smile plastered across my face. And seconds later, the door opened slowly, and there in front of me was the colonel, looking tired and old. My honest impression was that he really looked like a guy who'd been beat down by life. Uh, ''Hello there,'' came his weak greeting. ''Hi, I'm Timmy from next door. I thought I'd come over and introduce myself. I handed the peanut butter bars to the colonel. Colonel looked pleasantly surprised and he wasted no time. ''Hello Timmy, I think it's very serendipitous that you came here today. I have a problem that I don't think I could solve by myself.'' ''Well sure, I'd love to help you. What do you need?'' I was invited inside, and over a cup of coffee and a couple of peanut butter bars, I was told the story of the reanimated Elvis. The same story that I've just relayed to you. Then Colonel Parker laid out his request. Now, Timmy, you need to understand that I'm an old dying man. I've not much time left, and when I'm gone, there'll be no one here to deal with Elvis. When I'm dead... I need you to go down to the basement and put a bullet in that monster's head. I can't do it, I'm just too weak. Colonel Parker looked down in shame as those words left his lips. I sat there in silence with a look of disbelief on my face. The colonel looked into my eyes. Of course you want proof, don't you? Well, come on, come meet the king, but before you do... I must warn you. Warn me of what? Elvis is, well, he can be very infuriating. He only speaks in song titles. His song titles, to be specific. Come, come and see for yourself. He motioned towards my plate of goodies. Oh, and bring those peanut butter bars. Elvis will want some. I followed him downstairs to the basement. The room was lit with an assortment of candles, and as my eyes adjusted, I saw before me the king himself. He had green skin and vacant yellow eyes. An unpleasant odor filled the room. His body was adorned with one of his classic sequined jumpsuits, but it obviously hadn't been cleaned in a very long time. A chain ran between his ankle and the wall giving him perhaps a ten-foot radius with which he could move. He was eating a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Now listen to this, the colonel whispered to me, and you'll just see how upsetting he can be. Directing his words towards Elvis, the colonel asked, What's that you're eating? Elvis sluggishly looked up, and in a slow, familiar drawl, he answered, Well, sir. Hound Dog. Oh, dang it, Elvis. The colonel was quite upset. You know damn well you're not eating dog. That's a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Well, I made it for you myself. Well, Don't be cruel, came Elvis's slow, chicken-fried response. Colonel Parker looked at me. You see? You see it? He's impossible. Even though the monster's behavior at that moment... Didn't seem so bad to me. It was clear that after twenty five years, Colonel Parker had reached his boiling point with Elvis's annoying, murderous ways. Now at that point I'd seen enough. I wanted nothing more to do with the freak show that was unfolding in front of me. Um, well, uh, hey, thanks for showing me Elvis, I stammered. I can see myself out. I turned quickly to leave, but I crashed into a table that I hadn't noticed earlier. Several bunches of bananas had been resting atop the table. I collapsed in a heap along with the bananas and peanut butter bars, creating a huge mess. As I sat stunned on the ground, I saw that the food was smashed all over the front of my shirt. The colonel helped me to my feet, but he was stopped cold by the sound of breaking chains. I looked over and saw that Elvis had gotten free and was headed straight towards me. I knew that covered in peanut butter bars and banana, I was just too tempting a meal for Elvis to pass up. I want you. I need you. I love you, Elvis caterwalled while looking directly at the smeared food on my shirt. It only took Elvis three steps to reach me. He shoved Colonel Parker out of the way and pushed me into the wall. I tried to shove Elvis back as hard as I could, but weighing close to 300 pounds, he wasn't easy to move. He began gnawing at my chest and licking my face. I understood then that I was in big, big trouble. The colonel got back to his feet. Elvis, no, I won't let you take another life, he screamed as he dove and tackled Elvis. A whole lot of shaking going on, Elvis sang out as he and Colonel Parker collided. I darted towards the staircase, then paused as a question occurred to me. Hey, wait, isn't that a Jerry Lee Lewis song? The Colonel and Elvis rolled around the room, punching and clawing each other. Between punches and kicks, the Colonel tried his best to answer my question. Elvis recorded a version, damn you. Elvis, too. For a moment, the surprisingly strong Colonel Parker gained the upper hand, pinning Elvis to the ground. He looked at me. Stop asking stupid questions. and Go save yourself, son, he screamed. Elvis pushed Colonel Parker off of him. They rolled into a shelf and knocked over an open can of kerosene that soaked the both of them. Several of the lit candles fell down as well, and soon the two fighters were consumed in flames. They continued with their struggle, causing the room around them to ignite. I got up and ran out of the house, leaving the two of them in a fiery grave. I could hear Elvis's voice sing out one last time as he ran from the property. Burning love! Then there was only the sound of the roaring fire. Elvis and Tom Parker, each the bane and the blessing of each other, were consumed together in the inferno. In the end, and after a lifetime of greed and cowardice, Colonel Parker had ultimately redeemed himself with a heroic act. And Elvis, well, he was finally able to get the rest he should have gotten all those years earlier. And sometimes I look back on that day with amazement, and I almost don't believe my own memories. And that's why I'm finally writing all this down. Not that any of you will believe me. Tupac, uh, another neighbor of mine, tells me I'm full of shit, but I know the truth. I was there and it really happened. I'd never been a fan of Elvis's music before that day. But you know what? I'm still not. Because that jerk tried to eat me.